We're going to dive right into it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians. And we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork. So if, if, if you ever use the excuse that you're not handy, you can't use that anymore because it says right here that you are. But anyways, so we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Now, I think the easy thing is when we read some of these verses to be like, I know exactly who that applies to. It's like that person next to you. But it's talking about you. This is talking about you. So do me a favor, turn to the person next to you and say, that verse is for you. All right. And it is. This is for you. Because you are, each one of us, are uniquely. And we're talking about, not to us, but we looked at the kids this morning and you're like, man, you can just see so much potential. You look and you think, I wonder what they're going to be like when they grow up. I wonder what they're going to do, what impact they have. And we look at these little kids and we think, there is, there's no limit. It's easy to look and to see they could do, they could go, the impact, I have no idea. But so often, we look at ourselves and where we are now, and we put limits all over the place. We put limits and we say, well, I probably couldn't do that, or I couldn't do this, or this, this couldn't be here. But the truth is, you are uniquely gifted, positioned, qualified for exactly what God has for you. This verse says that God prepared you. He made you for, for stuff that he knew was coming, this, that you were not a surprise to him at all. I know a lot about surprises. I've got five kids. There was a lot of surprises, but you were not a surprise to God. You may have been surprised to somebody else, but you were not a surprise to God at all. And in fact, 1 Peter says this. If we go to 1 Peter chapter 4, it says that you and I, that God has given each of us, each of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve others. So here's the deal. You are gifted. You are. Not the person next to you. You are gifted. God put something inside of you. In 1 Corinthians 7, 7, he says this, I wish that all of you were as I am. He says, but each of you has your own gift from God. You are gifted. You have a gift from God. One has this gift. Another one has that one. But you are gifted. And too often, we compare. We look at what somebody else has and we say, no, I'm not. But here's what comparison does. Comparison is just awful. Comparison does, if you compare, you fall into one of two ditches. And you realize that, right? For every mile of road, there's two mile of ditch. And here's the ditch. One, you compare and you think, I'm better than these guys. And we fall into pride. And another one, we compare and we say, I'm not as good. I couldn't do that. I never could. And we discount the gift and the passion that God put inside of us. But you are gifted. You are gifted. Turn to that other person, the person you ignored last time, and tell them, I'm gifted. <laughs> a couple of you are like, well, there's nobody here or here, so just, just say it. Just say it out loud to all of us. Say, I'm gifted. That's right, because you are. 
Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, God's word says it's true, so it's true. There are things that are true that we're just unaware of. We are just unaware. One time I was, uh, the family and I, we were leaving church. And so we're getting the whole crew into the minivan because when you have lots of kids, you just get a minivan. It's just, I drove by a bounce, uh, a bounce, uh, crazy bounce place the other day. And I had to turn around just because I had passed where I was going. And I pulled in and I'm like, oh, they're going to get excited because it's just a parking lot of minivans. And I'm in a minivan, but I'm like, no, I'm not going here. I'm going to the lumber yard. So anyways, I just felt manly, you know, I had to get some sawdust. Anyways, what was I even talking about? You are gifted. It's in there whether you realize it or not. So there I am. I'm getting all the kids into the minivan. We're, we're leaving church, and we get in, and I buckle the, I think I had buckled the baby. I don't remember which baby it was. They all kind of just kind of went together. But one of the babies, we get them all in the car seat. We buckle them up. Everybody's in the car. That's just like, that's a win in itself. Like everybody's in the car. So we get everybody in. Off we go, and we get home. And the minute we pull into my driveway, I get that, boom, I had an iPad. Where is it? And I look down, and it's not in the car. I look at Becca, and I go, did you see my iPad? And she goes, you had it when we were in the parking lot. Did anybody else ever do that where you put something on top of the car? Well, it was an iPad, and I have one today, but see, this one has a case on it. I had just gotten that iPad and hadn't had a case yet. So I put it on the top of the car without a case or a screen protector or anything. And are those very grippy? You know what I mean? They're, they're not. So I just get that sinking feeling that, oh no. <laughs> that some of you are like, I've been there. I did it. You don't see the screen. I've never... Yeah, I get that sinking feeling. I'm like, oh no. But at the same time, I only live 1.38 miles from church. So maybe it made it out the parking lot around the corner, at the stoplight, down the other corner, down the road with the 35-mile-an-hour speed limit, onto my road with the 45-mile-an-hour speed limit, and then turning into my driveway. Just, And I'm like, no, 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 it didn't. So I get out of the car, I get up, and I look. No lie, it is there. I still have it. I still have it. It's at home. It's having trouble. Like, it's dying. It's really on its life. But not because of that. It stayed up there. But here, here's the point. It was there. I didn't know it. And here's the thing. Things in our lives, some of you have discounted or overlooked the gift that God's put inside you. And it's there. It doesn't mean that it is not there. It doesn't mean that God didn't, that God missed, skipped, undid. Because here's the deal. He doesn't make mistakes. And he made you. And he made me. And he doesn't make mistakes. And I prayed. My prayer is that this morning that God would speak to some of you right now. And I know that he is. That he is showing you things that are the inside of you. That you have discounted. You've been driving along not realizing that it has been there this whole time. Overlooking it as just something and not realizing that that passion that God put on the inside of you was put there for a reason. And that you can. And when we give that to God, when we give that passion, that thing to God, that he says, okay, 
Because it's, it's, it's fun to do something that you're good at. It's fun to do something you're gifted. But when you give it to God, he says, okay, now watch what happens when you begin to use that to build the kingdom of God. Watch what happens. Because each of us are gifted. God has something for every single one of us. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. Talking about us, talking about the body of Christ, talking about us as a body of believers, as a church. It says, all of us, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part. You are a part. The minute that you become a born-again believer, you are a part, whether you've joined a church, whether you've signed a register, you are a part of the body of Christ. Instantly. And not just a part, but you have a part in that body. Verse 12 says this. It says, our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body. That makes sense. When they are all put together, so it is with the body of Christ. Each, that's, that's you, that's me, there's nobody in here that isn't included in this, of us is a part of this one body of Christ. We are. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, slaves free, none of that matters. He says, but the Holy Spirit has fitted us together into one body. It doesn't say he fits some of us, but every single one of us are a part. And we all have a part to play. You might not be doing your part, but you have a part to play. Now, this has happened to me. Maybe it's never happened to you. But don't, don't raise your hand on this one. But maybe you've, have you ever, have you ever sat so long on the toilet? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> don't raise your hand. But you go to get up. And when you get up, there's something that you didn't realize, but that is that your leg has fallen. You go to take that first step. And you're like, and your leg's falling asleep. Okay, no lie. I told this, I, I, I used this example once before, and this girl in the front row is just like, like turns beat red, and she like almost falls out of her seat laughing. And at the end of the story, or at the end of the story, at the end of the service, she comes out to me, and she's like, who told you? And I go, who told you what? She goes, I broke my leg because of that once. And I'm like, ooh, that's next level. Holy cow. See, just because something falls asleep doesn't mean it's not part of your body. Your leg wasn't all of a sudden not there. It's there. It's just inactive. And here's the thing that happens when one part of your body isn't doing what it's supposed to. Another part tries to compensate for something it was not designed to do. I was training for a marathon, and I was super excited to do it. My wife had done bunches of them, and I'm like, she's more awesomest than me. Like, this is, I need to do marathons. I'm training for this thing. I'm getting ready. I'm like, we're going to do one together. This is going to be fun. She's probably going to kick my butt, but this will just be fun. We'll go run together. It'll be a riot. And we're, we're working up our miles, and all of a sudden, I don't know exactly when and what, but I'm, my ankle started bothering me. My legs started bothering me. And I'm like, okay, this is no good. So I go in and the guy's like, well, what happened? Well, I tried to push through it. And in pushing through some pain in my ankle, I ended up with something on my hip that, wasn't, that started to bother me. So I go into this chiropractor. I'm like, hey, I got this marathon coming up and my hip's hurting. He's like, well, what hurt first? I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, the hip pain that you're describing usually happens because of an ankle pain and I'm like, well, yeah. He's like, well, you should have come when you had the ankle pain. We could have fixed that, so then your hip wouldn't. And I'm like, ah, oh, but I'm here now. Enough of that. What do we do now? But we, we do that. 
Our bodies do that, plain and simple. When we don't use something, it goes into atrophy. Put a cast on for a week. Take it off. Wash immediately because it's going to smell. But then also, it's already started to atrophy. It's already started. We try to compensate with other parts. In the body of Christ, it's no different. And here's the deal. Some of you have been sitting asleep and other people, and you look and you think, we're getting by. I'm not needed. But the truth is, is another part is covering for you, but not near as well as you can because that's not what they were designed to do. They were designed to do something completely different. And they, yes, they are covering, but they don't have the passion that you do. And maybe you've been putting that down. And here's the thing. See, we all have things that we're passionate about. It's different for all of us. But God's put something on the inside of you. Now, the devil, he likes to take the passions that we have and use them to rip us apart. And here's how he does it. He does it with things like this. When somebody... Somebody comes in and they talk about, I don't know what it is, maybe you see the homeless. Maybe it's orphans. Maybe it's building the church or children's ministry. And you watch somebody else ignore it. And you look and you say, how can they walk by? How can they see this need and not do something? Because it pulls so strongly at your heart that you think, there's something wrong with them because I believe this. This, just, this is so important to me. And you think, well, there's something wrong with them. But the truth of the matter is, if every one of us was on the mission field, it wouldn't work. Would it? Who's going to send them? It, it, it wouldn't work. If every one of us had the same gift, I mean, you've probably heard this before, if two people are the exact same, one of you isn't needed. Like there's an extra. But instead, God has given each of us different giftings, different passions Different things that get us excited. Different things that we say, hey, I, I, I need to do something about that. I want to see it change. I, I can make that better. I went on a mission trip when I was uh, 15. Went to Venezuela for a month. It was, it, was, it was interesting. I was super excited to go. I raised 2750 bucks. I still remember to go on this month-long mission strip, I paid a bunch of it. I raised the money, had to go and talk to people and ask them. And, and I get on this trip, and I was so excited to go. My parents had been missionaries. My older brother, he had been going on mission trips since he was like 12. My, when he was 12, my parents put him on a plane and said, somebody will see you at the airport in Mexico. <laughs> now you go to jail for that. Really? I think you go to jail for pretty much anything. But anyways, I'm Yeah. I'm pretty sure I broke four laws before I got out of bed this morning. But so he'd been going on mission trips. I was excited to do this. I'm like, this, I'm so excited to do it. So I go down to this trip. We're in Venezuela. It was, it was amazing. It was great. At the end of this month-long missions trip, and there's a ton of youth. It's, that's really what it is. It's a youth missions trip. It was an organization years ago called Team Mania. And so we go on this trip, and it comes to the end, and all the other students, everybody's talking about what's next year's trip. They're all like, let's go here. We're all going to go here. Should we go here? I'm going to go for two months. I'm going to take the whole summer, and we're, we're going to go on this missions trip. And, and I'm not really engaging in that. And one of the leaders comes up to me, and he says, hey, I'm going here. And I'm going to be a part of this next, next uh, summer. Where are you going to go? And I go, I'm not going to. And he goes, what? I go, I'm not coming back. 
He goes, what happened? Is something wrong? Are people not treating you right? What, what happened? And I'm like, right now, at home, my church kids camp is going on. And I'm, normally I go and I volunteer at kids camp and I'm really missing it. There's nothing wrong with what's been happening here. I said, but this isn't for me. I'm not called to missions. I said, I'm called to the local church. And he goes, so you're not coming back next year? And I said, no, no, I'm not. And I haven't. For me, I knew what it was, and I knew what it was right then. And for me, going on that really opened my eyes. I'm like, my heart isn't in this. My heart, my passion is in what's going on back home. Now, I will be a part of sending people on missions. Beck and I, we support and we have supported missions our entire marriage. We're gonna, we're, it needs to happen. But here's the deal. It's, we're all going to be different. We all have a part to play. We have something different that we get to do, something different that God put on the inside of you. No matter what it is, there's different things. Maybe, maybe it's orphans, maybe it's missions, maybe it's prisons ministry, singles ministry, single moms, young moms, teen moms. Maybe it has to do with church or, or youth. Maybe it's the elderly. I have no idea what it is. Maybe it's hospitality. Maybe that's your thing. Yeah, that's, that's a gift too. And in fact, Romans, it says this in Romans 12, 13. It says, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe for you it's opening your home and inviting people in. I'm convinced more and more that more ministry happens in couches than in pews and auditoriums. Maybe you've heard this before. John Maxwell has a quote. He says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Maybe for you, it's just opening up your home and letting people, inviting some people in. Maybe you have them over for dinner. Maybe it's just to hang out. Maybe you have an availability and you can say to somebody, I'll watch your kids. Why don't you go take an afternoon? And you can minister to people through that. Because when people know how much we care, suddenly they're interested in how much we know. And we say, hey, that thing you're going through, the Bible actually talks about that. Can, can I share something with you about that? And doors are open to us that weren't open before. I don't know what it may be, but here's what I do know. God has put something on the inside of you. And I don't want anybody to leave here with that still being dormant. I don't want you to drive down the road not knowing what God has put on the inside of you. Not knowing where your iPad is. Not knowing what it is that God's given you. Because when we give it to him... It changes everything. See, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is not what you do. It's who you do it for. When we begin to take the things that God's given us, the passions that we have, and say, God, how can I use this to build your kingdom? It changes. And what was fun before is now amazing. The people today that are helping us, that are a part of this church launch, are from our mountain biking group. Some of our closest friends in life and ministry and helping us to raise our kids to, to live godly lives, the ones that challenge us in the areas of generosity and giving and biblical living, they really they came out of a mountain biking group. Just, hey, we're going to go riding. Anybody want to come? And we go, and on the car rides to 
mountain bike trails where we don't even actually really see, it's kind of like a guy thing really, where we get there and then we all just go ride at our own pace and then we come back together. That's what guys do. We just get there, we, do, we don't even have to look at it. it was, how was it? It was great. What'd you talk about? I don't know. It was just great. Okay, but on car rides back and forth, it was amazing the things that would happen or that opened up as a result of just spending time with each other, spending time together. I don't know what it is that God has put on the inside of you, but this is what I know. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And that's you. There's something that he's put on the inside of you. And don't leave it. Don't leave it there. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, the layman need never think of his humbler task as being inferior to that of a minister. He says, somebody who's outside of the church or inside of the church, he says, their task is not more holy one than another. He says, let every man abide in the calling where he is called and his work, abide in the calling where he's called and his work will be as sacred as the work of the ministry. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify to the Lord God in his heart, and he can thereafter do no common act. It's the way that we apply what it is. Say, okay, God, this gift, this talent that you've given me, I want to give it to you. I was talking with a, with a guy, and he said, you know what? He said, I, I, I don't know how. He's like, but I really, and he's, he's kind of stumbling over his words, and I'm, and I'm like, all right, what, what's up? And he says, he says, I like to work on cars. I said, awesome. He's like, but I, he's like, I, I don't know how. I said, I said, you don't know how to work on cars? He goes, no, I, I know how to work on cars. He goes, but what I would really like to do is he goes, I want to pass this on. I don't, I, I don't know how, but I'd like to teach other people how, how to do it. I don't know what I could do with this, but I, I think I need to do something with it. And I just began to smile, and I said, I think I know what you could do with that. He goes, what? I said, do you know any... Anybody who has a car that isn't working well? And he's like, oh, yeah. I said, do you know any single moms who could really use some help with a vehicle? And he's like, yeah, I definitely do. I said, what if, what if you just started a life group? What if you started a small group where you said, hey, anybody who wants to come wrench on cars, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and you guys can hang out. You can wrench on cars. You can pray beforehand. You can just kind of be there to answer questions. And as I'm talking about this, this guy's face lights up. It just lights up and he goes, I think I could do that. He goes, that would be really fun. I said, what if you guys just decided to fix up a car? I said, you could fix up a car and then go give it away to somebody who needs one. And he's like, oh, that would be awesome. He goes, I'm a painter too. He goes, I can paint. He goes, I can take something from the junkyard and make it great. He goes, I, I've done it before. I've done. And he begins to talk about all the paint jobs and fancy things that he's done. He goes, we could definitely do that. So what if you just got some people together and, and you did a project car and then gave it away or sold it and bought some cars for some people who need one? And he's like, that would be awesome. He's like, you think, you think the church would let me do that? And I said, no, definitely not. No, no church would rather want to be a part of that. Of course. Of course they're going to help you to be a part of that. Because this is what I know. That each and every single one of you in here, God has given you a gift. And don't discount the passions that he's put inside you. 
The things that he's made into you and that you're excited about, he did that on purpose. And if we'll surrender that to God and say, God, how can I use this for you? He'll show us. He'll show us how we can take that thing that's already such a passion and such a desire inside us and make it even better. He'll make it even better. So maybe you're here this morning, and if, if you're one of those that, that God has been, as I've been preaching, as I've been talking to you, that the Holy Spirit has been saying, this is that thing, has been bringing that up, would you guys just bow your heads and close your eyes a moment? If God's been showing you something, so this is that you need to surrender to him, that maybe it's a passion, and he's showing you how you can begin to give that back to him. Would you just raise your hand right now? I want to say a special prayer for those. Awesome. Just raise your hand and say, yep, he's showing me something. I'm going to give it back to him. All, all right. Wow. Okay, let's put those hands down. I want to pray for you guys. God, for everyone that just raised their hand, I thank you that you, by your spirit, God, that you are showing them, God, areas that they're gifted, things that maybe they have not seen, that they've overlooked, God, or thought that, that weren't really a part, but you are showing them how they can use those, God, to glorify you, to build your kingdom, and to change their world, to change the lives that are around them. I thank you for it. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd love to give you that opportunity. See, God made you. We read Ephesians. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. That's what God's word says. And if you'd like to experience the joy and the peace that only comes through a relationship with God, I would be honored to lead you in a prayer. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your sins are washed away and that you are on your way to heaven. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to be bold. I want you to raise your hand and say, I want to make that decision this morning. I want to leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it high. I would love to pray with you. All right. Anybody? Awesome. Awesome. All right, let's put that hand down. And then here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like all of us, if you just repeat after me, let's pray this prayer together. And for those that lifted your hands, as you pray this prayer, you make these words your own. You say them from your heart. As we all just pray this together, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died, but you rose again. You paid the price with your blood so I could be free. Forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm going to live for you. With everything I am, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give him a hand.